Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 176, part two. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a chance that you listened to part one early morning and then went off and listened to all three parts of the drunk cast that we did, which can be found over at the Hardcore Listing Podcast, and then came back to listen to this. If that's the case, then you're on a Oh, at least a five-hour run of my nonsense, which would be pretty. That would be delightful. Thank you, guys. Um, This was recorded at the Dublin Podcast Festival, and this is the section of the live podcast. Sometimes all of the live podcast is this, but at this one I had some guests first. But this is the section that's audience questions. And the way I work it, I'm not into that pass a mic around in the crowd. I get people to form a queue, and they come off on stage and sit down with me and we have an actual conversation rather than just what is your favorite color so so that's what we did and we had some amazing uh amazing people up none none more amazing than the first lad who's i'm sure he won't mind me saying and it's it's worth knowing beforehand because of the audio obviously um he's a, a a disabled gentleman but he doesn't give a shit about that. He's out there doing more exciting things than I will probably ever do. And it was just an amazing way to kick the podcast off. He was such a lovely chap. So, yeah, there's some good talk. There's some revelations. There's some uh, information. Check it all out. I'll be back at the end to tell you about what's going on next week. In fact, next week it's Jean Grey, the rapper. And the week after that it'll be Johnny Lee Miller, and then Rick Edwards. We've got tons of good stuff. So tune in. I'm I'm saying tune in next week. I'm thinking I'm at the end. We've not started this week's properly yet. I know this is part two. So I'm so confused. This is part two of episode 176 of the Distraction Pieces podcast live at the Dublin Podcast Festival. Pray silence, not for Enya, but for Scroobius Pip. Thank you. Let's just let's just, just listen for a bit. It's a banger. That's okay, we could turn the music down now, thank you. I um I once angered a whole audience at a festival in Ireland because we were r- r- running over and um, I said that we were meant to finish now but we're allowed to do one more song. It's breaking the, the, the curfew laws but I've cleared it with your president Bono um, <laughs> and he said it's okay and they didn't like it at all. They were very angry but he is your president. I should have known that you clear that stuff with... A vice president, a Louis Walsh. So it's my own ignorance. I didn't know that Bono doesn't deal with sound curfews. Um, well, this is the part that gets interesting because we don't know how it's going to go. And there's not a queue there let, uh, yet, so we could be about to finish. Um, before we start, I should mention that this had a note in it to Pip. So it was to me. And Blind Boy just selfishly tried to steal it. But um, it's okay now. But he was telling me backstage that it's all about a limerick and it was kind of commissioned off the back of when Limerick was, was known as the, as, as, as it was the murder capital of Europe or something like that. I always remember when I was touring, I always remember when I was touring Ireland and people, before we'd go to Limerick, people would always go, oh, Stab City, Stab City. Honestly, one of my favourite places I've ever played. So, um, yeah, that looks amazing. It's called Savage Town and it's on Image, which is one of my, my favourite um, prints. So, yeah, check that out if you haven't already. A queue has formed. Um, let's, let's have the first person up. C- c- come and join me. Hello, sir. Hello. I've sat just far enough away to make a handshake awkward. <laughs> um, that's not intentional. Uh, 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 what's your name? Uh, Fionn. Fionn, how's it going? Yeah. Have you got a podcast? What? Have I heard about your podcast? There's someone called 
Fionn, I'm sure, who's got a podcast that was coming tonight. No, oh, really? Not you. Okay, my bad. <laughs> what would you like to ask or discuss? Um, well, first of all, I've been exploring um, my life, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Um, interesting thing I've been exploring, like, I celebrated my 21st birthday in, a, in the Redwoods of California. Amazing. How was that? That was totally fantastic. I loved it. I would imagine. I did absolutely... I celebrated my 21st birthday in a club in Rayleigh in Essex. Yeah. <laughs> Nowhere near as exciting. How was that? Oh, what did you do in, in, in Redwood, California? Um, well, um... Is it stuff you can't talk about in front of an audience? Oh, oh well... <laughs> <laughs> no, go on, go ahead. I loved my time in San Francisco. Uh, we drove through, actually, the, the giant redwood tree. Right. For my first time. I've, oh, wow. I've never done that, so that's really cool. And that's the huge one that's got a road going, like, you go th- under it as such, isn't it? Is that the yeah, case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mental. How was that? That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And what else have you been exploring in your life since, um, since then? I went on safari in Tanzania. Amazing. Yeah. Man, I've not done any of this stuff. I'm, <laughs> I'm way older than 21. I'm not as old as Stu, but still, jeez. Yes. How was safari in Tanzania? It was so amazing. I loved it. I went to a safari park in Woodburn. Really? In Kent. <laughs> it was all right. I took my goddaughter, and ten minutes in, she got bored and started pretending to shoot all the animals. <laughs> she was five. I was like, that's not the vibe we want. We're meant to be bringing you to show to love animals. She's like, I'm bored. I'm going to kill that one. And then I'm going to kill that one. It's like, ah, oh, damn, that's not, that's not the way. Yeah. I've also canoed in the Amazon jungle. You've canoed in the Amazon jungle? Yeah. Is one of the things that you've been exploring in life um, making up lies on stage? Because this sounds amazing. <clears throat> well, actually, how was canoeing? In, how do you even go about arranging to canoe in the Amazon jungle? Well, the Amazon actually was a dream of mine from a very young age. Yeah. Yeah, so we saw like very colourful birds there. Yeah, I can imagine. It's really interesting. What motivated you to do all these things? Is there a specific incident or thing in your life that made you go, I want to achieve these things? Well, yeah, I've been always interested in animals, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In college, oh, well, well uh, oh, when I get there to college, yeah. I went to study zoology. Yeah. You um, see, that's a good choice because yeah. I, as a kid, I was into animals and I wanted to become a vet mm. until I realised that that's mainly putting down animals. Um, <laughs> so that kind of it killed it off for me slightly. Like, oh, I'd be amazing. That I love animals. So sad. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> zo- but zoology is is engaging with animals and, and yes. studying animals. So yeah, yeah that's a much better yeah. choice. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have a question for you, actually. Scubius. Go ahead. Hit me. Um, so Scubius Pip. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, what do you love about your life? Oh, what do I love about my life? I was, I was discussing a backstage in an interview, an interval with Blind Boy, the fact that, I mean, this is only a, a couple of nights, but I did a tour of these um, last year in the UK. And the fact is, these are completely dependent on, on you guys. And they're just mm. d- d- discussions. And we were discussing how great podcasts are, as we did in the first half of how the freedom, but the fact that we can do something like this, where every night I was, was getting to a town and getting to the venues, and they were saying, so what's the show? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know. Genuinely, we're going to find out. And it's just, a, hopefully, the fact, the content of the podcast is bringing together a certain weird collection of people that will make this an interesting night of conversations. And everyone was exactly that. So I love that I get to do stuff like this. Yeah. But in general, I'm a mad lucky man. All, all the acting I'm doing at the moment just blows my mind because wow. I'm getting to go and audition for stuff that... Yeah. I sh- I've got no right to audition for. I've got no right to be in the room. I've, in the last year, I've auditioned for like for Marvel stuff, for Game of Thrones, for Stranger <laughs> Things, and all this. And I've been acting like two years. But 
I get to go and mess about and do that. And then I get to go and make... Yeah. Like, I made a film earlier this year, and we did a taboo last year, as mentioned. It's, uh-huh. it's getting to go and work with people like Tom Hardy and Stephen Graham, who I look up to mm. hugely, and learn from them. And that's how I earn my living. The scary part is that I've like, I started each year for the last three years, since I stopped doing a, a music for however long, not knowing if I'm going to have any work, earn any money... And I'm the same as everyone. I've got got bills to pay and and, and food to buy and stuff like that. So that's a scary part of it. But it's exciting that I seem to get to the end of each year and go, oh, it it worked out. I didn't really have a plan, but it worked out. So, Mm. yeah, it's good fun. Yeah. It sounds like you've met some holiday. Um, um, How has it been being, um, being a friend of Tom? It's amazing. Right, legit. I've not told anyone about this, and I don't know if I'm allowed. But this, in fact, I oh know it's not like on Saturday. I was I was one of the few people at Tom's Tom Hardy's 40th birthday party, and um, I'm standing there with my mate Rob Parker, um, who's in Taboo and has been on the podcast. I'm chatting with his wife, in fact, and we're chatting. And we go, that guy, that guy, <laughs> that guy there looks a lot like Woody Harrelson. Right. Oh shit, that's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> and then, like, literally half an hour later, no, or two hours, I'm going to fast forward to two hours later when I text Chris this. I, was, I text him saying, I'm at the bar now. I've just come to get another drink um, after dancing to California Love with Channing Tatum and his wife, <laughs> who are the most beautiful humans I've ever seen in my life. Wonderful dancers and wonderful people. And yeah, it's, it's fucking weird, that shit, isn't it? <laughs> Um, but, but, but yeah, as, again, as, as Chris will contest, he met Tom um, and his wife the other week when we went to, to a Bellator event. And Tom was, he had some seats at the side of the cage and he mm. texted me saying, I didn't know he was there. And I texted, oh, you're here. He said, I come over. I said, I've got some mates with me. And he was like, it's all right, like, we'll make room. And then when he came over, he made a point of coming over and introducing himself mm. to Chris and to our mate Stu, but... not that Stu. And <laughs> was just, yeah, he's a gentleman. So yeah. I'm lucky to, I'm lucky that I've started this career and met Stevie Gr- Graham and Tom Hardy, who have both just been the mm. soundest guys who happen to be people I own all of their films on DVD already. So wow. it's great to meet these people and hit yeah. it off. So yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, can I just say something there? You can say one more thing because there's a queue of people. <laughs> okay. And... Okay, well, this is my final thing then. Go ahead. Uh, um, just to say that I've been. I've been listening to a podcast via my dad's phone. It's, uh, it's such an amazing podcast. Thank you very much. So man. I really like it. Thank like, you. It's so cool. The whole idea of creativity and being creative with your podcast. It's just like so much fun. So it's, so it's really cool. So well, I, thank you very much, man. You're on it now and you're inspiring yeah, people with all your yeah, travels to yeah, America well, and the Amazon. Yeah. Well, my advice to you is to keep it up. Huh? I, I, my advice to you is, is to keep up the, the, the good work. Thank you very much, man. Thank you for coming out. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. And what a perfect start, right? Thank you very much. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. Top that. Let's see if I can get a hand. Nice to meet you. Yeah, there you go. Oh, uh, awesome. uh, what's your name? I'm Paddy. Paddy. And where the fuck have you been? Uh, here. Amazon? No. California? Come no, on. No, only been to New York and America. <laughs> no, uh, how are you this evening? I'm fucking A that I get to be here, to be honest. I, when I heard that you were doing the podcast live, I kind of don't really know anybody else who listens to it, so it's kind of amazing that there's everybody else here. Well, that's the beauty, genuinely, <laughs> that you can make t- a tons of new friends. I've always said this at our gigs, at the podcast shows, and at the club night, that I go to, to a lot of things on my own. I'm, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that weirdo. Yeah, um, I was going to do that tonight until... But that's it. The beauty well. is, anyone who's scared of coming on their own, like you don't know anyone listens to it, well, you're going to meet a load of people who do. Yeah. So you might meet some people that, that happen to live near you that have similar tastes. And we don't do that after education. That's true. As yeah. soon as we leave education, we kind of stop meeting people naturally. We kind of just go, well, I've got my friends, so yeah. that's... That's that now. No, I've got my friends. That's fine. That's fine. So it's like, yeah. So yeah, hopefully you'll that's meet That's the beautiful some thing of the internet, really, isn't it? Yeah, completely. Um, you can meet some real freaky, dirty friends as well. Yeah. 
It's pretty cool. I was a little bit disappointed that you weren't into really weird kinky sex. Like that was <laughs> Mate, I made a joke of it. I never confirmed either way. <laughs> <laughs> Hide in plain sight, my friend. Hide in plain sight. Uh, what would you like to ask or so, discuss? When I first heard of the podcast, I had heard Doubt Shalt Always Kill. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm allowed to say way back in the day. I'm yeah, not going to make you sound yeah, it. But I'd heard Doubt Shalt Always Kill and a friend had linked the podcast and I started listening to it. Um, but it, you're kind of in a new, uh, not a unique position, but a new position now where there can legitimately be people who are fans of you, who are fans of you because of your acting, who are fans of you because of the podcast, but may not actually know your music. Is that something that you're conscious of? Does it bother you or, or does it kind of shape, change your idea of your identity? Like? I fucking love it, man. Honestly, there was a minute where it stressed me out a little bit because the podcast in the first year probably came, became the most successful thing I've ever done. Yeah. And I worked really hard at music. <laughs> And then I'm like, I'm just going to talk to people because I've got some time off. And it's like, we've just, I think today we've just broken 10 million downloads. And it's like, mate, I I ain't sold 10 million records, believe me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I love that. And it makes me excited for when I do return to music. And I do still plan to. People ask me all the time and say they want a new record. And one of the things I say a lot online is you don't want a new record. You want a good record. Mm -hmm. And I'm fucking adamant on that. And the plan when taking a year or two off, partly the plan was once it becomes your career, you've got a whole load of people around you, whether it be the label or the booking agents or whoever, who want you to do another album and then tour and then another album and then tour, which is wicked, but that's not a reason to create art, in my opinion. Mm. So if I was just creating... Our last record, Repent, Replenish, Repeat, is got some pieces on it that I'm more proud of than anything I've ever done. So that felt like a good time to go, right, I'm going to stop now for a bit and then create a new record if I'm inspired to do so, rather than because I know I can make money off it or I know I can tour off it. So the plan was to take a pause to get that. And it's kind of worked out even better because the podcast and acting and everything has meant that I can afford to never make another record again. Mm -hmm. So there's no kind of a financial draw there. I'm genuinely, despite the fact I've invited you all here to sit and watch me talk with no plans, I'm genuinely not someone who needs an audience or a crowd all the time. I'm not, I, I like writing, I love doing all the gigs I did, but at no point have I sat at home and thought, oh, I miss, miss being in front of the crowd. For some reason, it's not, I've loved, I, honestly, that's not to downplay the gigs, I've loved every single one, but it's not something I've sat there going, oh, I feel... I feel like I'm missing something from my life. But, it, but the good thing there is it means that if I do write a new record, which I fucking hope I do, but it'll be because I've got something that can improve upon the stuff I've already written rather than, like, my agent has given up now. <laughs> He's given up on the emails again. Any progress on the new record? He emailed me and Dan a few months back because we had a massive offer to do um, a 10-year anniversary gig of, of either... The, Thou Shout or the album. Um, and I said no. Because the fact is that it's a beautiful thing that me and Dan ended at Bestival, which yeah. Bestival is run by Sunday Best, who are a label. And we were introduced by Rob the Bank, who was one of the first people to play us on the radio, the guy that took a risk in signing us. And we played this end gig to a crowd that knew every word. And they were crying and we were crying. It's going to take a lot to take that away from me as my last gig right now. Yeah, yeah. That's at the moment. That's my last ever gig, and that's fucking beautiful. So it's going to take more than an offer of a load of money to go. All right, I'll have another last gig. So yeah, at the moment, that's going to take a lot to beat. But what would beat that is having new music that I'm excited to play yeah. in. Well, that's awesome. Just to say, uh, the bit at the end of the distraction pieces book, which talks about how did uh, when you went through all the equipment that you used to record mm. the podcast, and then you said. But you don't need any of that. Um, Shit. Not to plug anything, but I have a podcast with my friend and that was totally the attitude that we took. Oh, wicked. Because we started, we just had our phones. And that's oh, what's what your podcast called? Plug it's away. Called, that's what we do on podcasts. We go on other people's uh, podcasts to, to plug it's it. It's called 8th Dimension Podcast. It's, uh, we cover odd and obscure movies. Amazing. Uh, yeah. That sounds uh, dope. My friend and, Connell, who's there, does a podcast called Enslaved by the Bell, which is... Uh, they go through an, ep- an episode every uh, an episode every episode of Saved by the Bell and all Beautiful. the results in ephemer. So you're. I um, love those. That's again. That's cool. it's, it's the beauty of podcasts. I've just 
I've just been invited on a podcast where they're starting The Wire from the beginning again. And I'm like, I'm up for coming on that. It's amazing. I'm, I'm like, turning down every podcast and that. I was like, yeah, I'm up for watching an episode of The Wire with you. It's like Ke- Kevin Smith has one where he just goes through episodes of um, of Frasier. And it's like, it's a brilliant medium that you can just do anything with it. But I love it, man. I saw your Slater Slayer t-shirt. And as soon yeah. as I saw that, I had to tag Kunlin it. Yeah, like, that's good. I like that. that. But that's genuinely the case, right? I bought this... Um, some mobile kit recently a little mobile a recorder for us doing the destinies special in la and that's another thing that that broke my heart a little because most of you won't have heard the difference between that handheld thing and the kit that i carry around that's really heavy that's got a big case i carry in and i've got mic stands and everything but you can you can record anything a mic skinner when i had mike skinner on the podcast i spent 10 minutes setting up my over elaborate setup and just as I got to the end and paused, he paused and went you know you can record, like, record podcasts on an iPhone right <laughs> yeah I, I, I do Mike yeah but <laughs> let's chat now um, but thank you very much awesome. for coming and will, chatting will I be Go able on. to get the book signed after yeah oh yeah I, I, I was going to mention this at the end but there is a curfew and everything here so this finishes at 10.30 sharp but they're allowing them to sell books till 11. I'll go straight from the stage to sign any books for anyone who wants them. Um, and then if we get kicked out, I'll wait outside and sign books. Um, so we'll be... Woo! Or photos or anything you want. That's all good. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you for making me say that on the mic so I sound like a super nice guy to everyone who's listening <laughs> on the podcast. In reality, I'm darting out the back door and going to get a burger. Fuck you guys. But Thank you very much, man. Thank you. And nice to meet you. What is your name? My name is... Sorry. I'm Will. Will. Um, so, I should be a lot more drunk to be up here, I think. Uh, I'm the second Limerick guy on the stage this evening. Wicked. So, Blind Boy is the first. I, the first time I actually saw you it was about in 2008. Was it Dolan's? It was Dolan's. Fucking no, love Dolan's. Training Rooms. Training Rooms. Yeah, we did, the, we did Dolan's on two tours. Or no, a training rooms in between the two tours we did Dolan's, but yeah. And... Uh, can I record this? Yeah, go ahead. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> and uh, Blind Boy was also there. But right. He was there in his alter ego, his normal ego. So it's kind of fucking weird seeing the two of you on stage tonight. It's just amazing. Really fucked up. Um, I probably didn't know he was there that night. No, totally not. Because so when we spoke, crazy. I hope he doesn't oh, mind me saying, but I was a fan of Rubber Bandits. I think I must have tweeted about them or said they're great. And he hit me up saying that when they were writing... Um, Dad's best friend. Yeah, they were styling s- s- some of the delivery and style on 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 so my you. shitty raps. So that's pretty fucking. I was like, that's awesome. fucking great. I love these that's guys. So cool. But yeah, he um, said at the time he'd see me at gigs. But it's yeah, crazy. It's uh, my main question to you is: You're a big fan of wrestling. I am. I'm gonna get really niche on the crowd here. If they don't like wrestling, unlucky guys, I love a grap. Um, I love the graps. The first time. Uh, Hang on, can I just quickly? Uh, uh, does anyone go to OTT over here? I've I've seen it online. It looks am- amazing. I've never been, but um, if they ever want to uh, fly me out as an audience member, holler at your boy. Well, you you can play into what a question I'm going to ask you. Go if you do this. One of my favorite podcasts you brought on because I love Stu and Chris. But yep. the other one is um, uh, Choosing Night Jaw. Jaw with Jim Smallman. It's fucking awesome. Thank you. Uh, but my question is: Bobby Heenan died this week. One he of the did. greatest managers of all time in the WWF. Who would your top three managers be of all time in wrestling? Man, that's a good shout. Uh, one of the first uh, wrestling videos I had as a kid was an Ultimate Warrior video, and it yeah. was his best of, and on it was his, mat, his weasel suit match with Bobby DeBrain Heenan. Um, <laughs> and that's a fight, which is mental, because the Ultimate Warrior was a massive, muscly guy, and it's Bobby DeBrain Heenan was yeah. a dude. And the loser, the winner, was the one that put the, the other guy into a weasel suit <laughs> that happened to fit the short, fat guy. <laughs> Was never going to fit the tall, muscly guy. But yeah, he put him in a weasel suit and then Heenan, he knocks him unconscious. He puts him in the weasel suit and then Heenan wakes up and looks at his hands (laughs) and then chases his tail. And it's it's fucking, I love wrestling for that. It's so stupid. Um, So best managers, I mean, I'd have to have Heenan at at number one for that. Um, At number two, Heyman. Heyman's pretty fucking awesome. I'd go Paul Heyman. I think he's amazing. Um, And I think his recent run with Brock is as good as anything he's ever done. Yeah, he takes I think it so it's seriously. rare that someone's a kind of a classic and then they're still doing good, but he was great. Um, and then I'd just go for probably obvious mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. 
Oh, with Hogan, yeah. Because he was just great with Hogan, with, with, with the Heart Foundation, with, always with his, his, his microphone that was spray-painted in cheesy 80s style to match whoever he was managing at the time, his jacket that was spray-painted to match whoever he was managing at the 100% time. 100% always. What's your um, top three? Top three is Heenan. Or top one is Heenan. Yep. Two is maybe Jimmy Cornette. Uh, yeah. He's fucking crazy. I hate Jim Cornette, but go on. You hate him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you hate him? There's, 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 back which, there's beef with... He, he slagged off Smallman and Progress oh, a lot and been... Just, just Cornette says stupid shit to get... But he's fucking crazy. Get likes on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that, but still. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> but 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 the progress lot can't say that and never say that. But I don't, I don't work. My fucking I, podcast, I don't man. work. No, I don't work for any of these mugs. So I can okay. say fuck Jim Cornette. Uh, I, I've, I've just got more followers than him on Twitter <laughs> at the moment. So um, <laughs> the last one I think maybe would be Miss Elizabeth mm. because Miss Elizabeth, fucking manager of the Mega Powers, Elizabeth, will you marry me? <laughs> it's probably my favourite moment in WrestleMania. Brilliant. But uh, yeah, that's. So many people don't know what the fuck's going on right now. <laughs> I love it. One last question. Yeah. When are you going to be back on Rogan's podcast? Um, I don't know. Um, he shouted you out, I think, recently, he saying sh- he'd want to get you back on soon. Oh, is he? Well, mm. I'm up for it. I'm in LA. I fly to LA on Sunday. So if you all want to tweet him... Totally. ...and, and hit him up, I'd, I'd happily go on. I don't think I smashed it on his podcast the first time. That's I thought how I was first, all right. That's but how I, I felt, first found out about you I, on his I, podcast. I, I felt... And the same happened the first time I was on Richard Herring's podcast. They're both podcasts I listen to a lot. Yeah. So it took me ages to click into the fact that I'm a guest. So genuinely, on this three-hour podcast, there's tons of points. Like, people have said that he kept talking too much and talking over me. He wasn't. It's just that I kept just listening. This is fucking cool. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm on the podcast. I'm actually meant to be engaging. And generally, because I'm so used to having him in my ears and not engaging and not talking, yeah. incidentally, um, I was driving once and I put on some podcasts with Chris in the car, he does talk and engage when listening to podcasts. <laughs> he kept arguing with them. He kept agreeing with them. It was fascinating. Um, but because I don't, don't do that, I genuinely think on Rogan's run, there was numerous points where I was just like, he'd be trying to fill space because I was just forgetting that I'm meant to be entertaining and talking. pretty awesome. But now, I've had a podcast for three years since then, so it's a good time to go, back, go back on. Like but I want to get him on mine and I want to go on his again. So yeah, hopefully that happens. Awesome. I also want to go on The Fight and the Kid. Or the big yeah, round breakdown. I think they're great. Yeah. But shout outs to all of them. Very good. Well, thank uh, you very much for coming. I suppose and like everyone else here who has a podcast, I've got a podcast with my wife over there. It's called Meet the Cortes. You can check it out. Excellent. We'll check it out. Thanks thank so you very much. Thanks for coming along, man. Nice to meet you. The next person. Like as a rule now, everyone here is super polite. But as the ne- as the guest stands up to leave, if the next person can start coming on, just so we don't have this awkward gap that I have to fill with talk every time, going, hey, so, uh, thanks for coming. Hello. Hi. Oh, oh, what's your name? Rachel. And what would you like to discuss? Well, um, I tweeted before I left the house and you replied to me. To Is it about your knitting it stuff? It was. I am the crazy knitting lady. Pay attention. Uh, <laughs> your word's not mine. Yes. Um, well, well, the thing is, is that um, I'm doing something that I think most people in the audience will be aware of. It's called the Dare to Care Challenge by Today FM. Mm-hmm. And it's to raise money for the Irish Cancer Society. Right. And the idea is that someone dares you to do something and... You're meant to achieve it by the end of September. Yeah. So a very, very close friend of ours, his wife died at the end of August with a very, very rare form of cancer that Mm. she was the only one who had it. So he dared all of us to do things. And the thing is, is that he couldn't dare me to shave my head. He couldn't dare me to dye my hair funky colours. He couldn't dare me to get a tattoo or a piercing. Um. (laughs) For those listening, she has half a shaved head, colourful hair and many tattoos. (laughs) Um, so, um, I do a lot of kind of artistic stuff. I'm just kind of a, a creative generalist. Yeah. So, um, Sinead, who was the girl that passed away, she lived in the north side of Cork City. And, woo! Damn right. Cork, the only place that counts. That's what I have learned since moving here. I wrote, I, <laughs> I wrote uh, my song, The Struggle, while walking around Cork before a gig true story it's not interesting it's just I was writing at the time but that's where I wrote it but go Um, and there's a landmark on the north side called the Shandon Tower and Mm -hmm. it's um, so I have been challenged to knit a scarf that is the same length as the Shandon Tower is high oh damn that's probably pretty big right 120 feet right so, um, so yeah, it's red and white obviously and (laughs) in order to do it by the end of September I have to 
knit 12 feet a day, um, which wow. is <laughs> claw hands. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing here? You've got work to do. <laughs> no word of a lie. My husband actually brought the knitting with him. Amazing. <laughs> but I didn't want to sit there because you just listen to the podcast suffers and all you hear is... Knitting away. away. I love that. But um, so yeah, Bob uh, has dared. My husband dyes hair blue. Um, I've got a friend who has sort of married her from brave levels of red curly hair. She's like a triangle of red hair. She's having that cut completely off, and she's donating that um, for wigs for cancer patients. For clowns. Yeah, Yeah. totally for clowns. Yeah, (laughs) live action. They need wigs too. That's amazing. Is this something that people can, can get involved with Definitely. online and stuff like that? How does it all work? So Today FM is a, a national radio station here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm right, obviously people shout if I'm wrong. I'm not too familiar with it. They used to do shave or dye. Yeah. So basically you either had to shave, dye or both. Oh, right. Hair, right? Not dye as in dye hair. Yeah, not yeah, D-Y. It's incredibly hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> shave or dye, you prick. <laughs> I've had job interviews go like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think they've kind of expanded it a little bit um, for probably people like me who can't really do the shave or the dye thing. Um, So so they've got... um, I think that's good, though, because I think the expanding in in all these things is hugely important because I I never got on board hugely with Movember because I don't think... Quite clearly, I don't see anything that impressive about growing a moustache or a beard or whatever. It's like, it's, you're, what you're saying is I'm sponsoring you to not do something. I'm sponsoring you to get up a little bit later and not have to shave all through this month. So it's weird. So it's yeah. good to have those things that people can variate with. Yeah. I mean, we, we struggled a little bit trying to think of it, uh, mainly because... You know, saying knitting something for me is just yeah. a normal thing, and, and, I, and this is just this is completely ruining the tone. But I saw a meme <laughs> the other, I saw a meme today, in fact, that was someone who hadn't thought of this. They just said, "I never thought of this," but it was someone playing truth or dare, and they said, "A truth or dare," and their friends said, "Dare." I said, "I dare you to order me a pizza." Nice. And they're like, "Why haven't I learned this in the past? It's such a good, such a good tool." Well, in I dare fairness, you to buy me dinner. In oh, fairness, fuck. Bob did dare one of our friends to bake a hundred cupcakes. So yes. So it was like nice. Best of both worlds. But I mean, why didn't um, that one come along tonight? Joking, yeah, right. Joking, joking. <laughs> um, but we've got. Um, we've actually come together as a group. There was a group of us who were like a support group for Sinead during her oh, last year, and uh, we were. We're called the bunch of wieners, and uh, um, so we've each got a different dare. And right down to uh, Bob and Sinead's uh, oldest daughter, who's five years old, who's going to be making bracelets. That's her dare. Oh, she wow, wants to take beautiful. part. Um, but like, people are doing loads of things. They're doing this kind of the standard jumping out of planes. Um, I think the standard. One, yeah, the standard. Typical. Well, there is a story in, in the UK with the NHS is that the, the people that they actually have coming in with um, skydiving-related injuries to the I'm NHS are the guys that are doing the charity jumps for the NHS. I, I think it's a beautiful thing, um, particularly uh, the children being involved and stuff like that, because it's not, it's not hiding from death. And I think mm. it's something we do f- far too much in society now. And the fact is, in fact, the last or one of the, the, the live podcasts I did, it got a bit heavy because I just made a point of saying that we're lit- literally everyone here is is going to die, mm. and everyone that everyone here loves is going to die, and everyone everyone here has ever met is going to die, and it's bad that we have it as this taboo and this scary yeah. unspoken about thing. And when it happens, we'll go into ourselves or go into mm. a shell or whatever else. So a beautiful thing is you're finding a positive and engaging way to not ignore it, yeah. to constantly be reminded of it. Because the fact is, you're going to be thinking about it anyway. So it's better to be thinking about it with your friends and doing positive things and and trying to turn it into something beautiful because yeah i'm sorry but it's unavoidable oh, it's, no, it's it you know it's sad it's 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 obviously it's horrific when it comes early and stuff like that but mm-hmm. it's hugely important a, a lesson for grown-ups and children alike to to have that to have that that openness to go right we're not just gonna have this happen and then never talk about it because it makes yeah. us sad we're going to be reminded every day about it if you're having to knit 12 foot a day yeah, it's not easy to forget <laughs> and that's a beautiful <laughs> thing because it yeah exactly that it kind of it reminds you of it and me and, and chris and i've talked about it on the podcast before but a mate of ours um died at 21 and it's beautiful now that we'll joke about it all the time mm-hmm. and we'll 
mock each other for it. And that's a good thing. It's not disrespectful. It's a good yeah. thing that, because it's, yeah, it's part of life and reality. Yeah, I mean, with, um, for Sinead, which was, it kind of hit as hard as adults because Sinead was planning it. She, she knew. And yeah. um, she was telling us, you know, she's got two to six years, but I think she probably knew. A it's lot a beautiful more than thing too, though, and, and, and mm. realize that a friend of mine, really good friend of mine, lost her dad. Um, to a, a, a heart a heart illness, um, and it was tragic, but he went into hospital just before he died and got out again and then passed away, but it meant they had those moments that they might never have had. They had mm. that moment of, we know this, or even if it's just we thought we were going to lose you and we didn't, they had those moments that came yeah. that you wouldn't normally get. So it's a beautiful thing. As hard as it is, I don't know, I think there's something... A, a wonderful in that to know that someone's uh-huh. at the end for them and for you because depending on your belief system my belief system is when we die that's that mm-hmm. that's just me but so if death sneaks up on me i'm literally gonna have no idea about it and that sucks <laughs> so i've got some shit i need to get off my chest before i die i've got some people i've got to put on blast before i'm, <laughs> before I'm gone but uh, again, it's a beautiful thing. I I I, th- I feel I would would like the opportunity to say goodbye to those mm. I love, to let people know how I feel, and that's as as painful and hard as that is, and as horrible a way as that is to go. That's a beautiful thing that a lot of people don't get, and not in a kind of positive spin. But that's worth remembering, man. That you guys mm. all got that, which a lot of people don't. Yeah, I mean, kind of a final thing is that if if any of you guys are going through something like this and you have young kids. Um, the, the, the key thing really is kind of the group of us learned was that to be really brutally honest because mm. it saves the awful heartbreaking conversations afterwards um, so uh, I myself am Catholic but um, Bob and Sinead um, and everyone they kind of they grew up they're very kind of scientists, science-based. The kids are all kind of stargazing. So um, there's the the whole line is like, we come from stardust. Yeah, and right. so they told little Jessie, Kira, who's the youngest, is kind of too young, but told Jessie that, you know, she's going back to stardust. So she was, um, she was uh, cremated, uh, Sinead, and obviously there's lots of all the adults around being very adulty. Mm. And, um, you know, there's the, the, the moment of silence is... The, uh, the doors close on the sort of the, the coffin and everything yeah. and there's a silence and Jessie swinging her legs in the chair goes oh would you hurry up and turn her into a star <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's it's like oh! <laughs> bawling their eyes out and then kind of reflecting on it it's like oh my goodness I wish it's beautiful. I wish I had that kind of yeah. way of looking at it. It's beautiful because that's not having years of being conditioned into our outlook and beliefs yeah. on the emotional <laughs> attachment to it. We are all just organisms and we are all yep. fucking super irrelevant. I know that sounds harsh <laughs> and horrible, but man, we're not important at all. Um, yeah. So that's a beautiful thing that she's like, come on. Yeah. It's like, done now. It's let's, done let's, now. Let's, Ooh, let's turn into a star one. again. Yeah. Um, Love it. So I know Sinead's up there watching me laughing, going, ha, like 12 foot a day. Sucks (laughs) to be you. Enjoy that. So anyway, but no, yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up. Well, well, thank you very much for coming and chatting. And good luck with the 12 foot a day. Well, I hope so. Where can people, just quickly... Where can people find you on Twitter to follow your 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 journey so, if you want them to? So well, I don't want to force you into. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a, I love chatting away to people on um, Twitter anyway, regardless of it. But um, I'm underscore Ray Percy R R A E P E R C Y, and um, but you'll find us on like the Dare to Care. We're like um, the the bunch of wieners. We're all in there. But and it's like, hashtagged, isn't it? The Dare to Care thing as yeah, well. Yeah, hashtag Dare to Care. I mean, the lads here will know know about it. Perfect. Like, um, and uh, we're actually the the gang is probably going to be on today FM uh, as well. We're going to the studio on Sunday. Amazing. Because um, uh, they interviewed Sinead while she was still with us earlier oh, wow. in the year. Um, so, so yeah, they're trying to follow up on that. But no, it'd be great. And lads, if any of you guys are also doing Dare to Care for somebody that you know, Pip, reply to me. So if you go into his timeline, share your sponsorship page with me and I'll throw some money your way. Beautiful. Um, we'll kind of stick together. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like such a schoolmaster now because you obediently came up as she stood up, as I just told, what can I make you people do? Please, st- st- 
Get up on stage and stand in a Y until the seat is free. Um, how are you? I'm good. Uh, what's your name? Heather. And what would you like to ask or discuss? So I started listening to your music because of my dad over there. Oh, wicked. But um, since you started the podcast and like acting and stuff, I was just wondering if you wanted to do anything more than that, like directing or writing, because you were writing the songs. Yeah, yeah, I want to do everything, man. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's really weird. I don't know. I think we live in a time that we don't have strict limitations and there are limitations, but I genuinely, this sounds hippie again, but I think anything is possible and achievable. And again, just everything, the reason I think that is where I am today. Because I've, again, I've lived in the same small town in Essex my whole life. There's no reason for me to have got, I don't think I'm some blessed, amazingly talented individual. I think it's just, there's a lot of luck in there. There's a lot of hard work in there. Um, but yeah, I've I've got, a script in development at the moment with literally my favourite production company in the UK, which blows my mind. Um, the lead character in that is, is six foot four and has got a beard, which is crazy. <laughs> um, I've been reading, my brother got me a book of Bresson's notes on cinematography and, f- and filming, and I've been reading that recently, and that makes me want to just direct everything. So yeah, it is generally one of them. I want to I want to get better at everything and the thing that excites me I've used the quote in like five podcasts in a row so I won't go on about it now but the thing about acting the thing about directing the thing about all them areas is they should be areas that you get better and better the more you're doing it the older you get I touched upon upon death earlier I've never been someone who's been excited about the idea of I find life far scarier than I find death death for me it's cool. It's done. L- life, mate. I'm knackered already. <laughs> the, the, the thought of another 36 years is exhausting. But I watched this documentary called "Old Man Crazy to Paint" about Hokusai, and Hockney was in that, and he spoke about how painting is an old man's game. And Hokusai, at the age of 60, was was one of the most respected artists around the world. He painted the wave, which is known the big the, the big wave that's one of the most famous. Um, eastern paintings um and and when he got to 60 he realized that everything he'd done up to that point was shit (laughs) or he decided not realized he decided and he decided that at the age of 80 he would i I might get the the years wrong i think i've quoted it wrong a few times but i realized at the age of 80 he would be good at the age of 90 he would be a master at the age of 100 he would be a complete artist and the age of 110 every brush stroke would be a work of art and he died at 90. And it blows my mind. That just made me... That was the first thing I'd watch in years. It's this, I honestly recommend you watch Old Man Crazy to Paint because it made me cry. Like one of the experts. In general, these things, all the experts are stiff, uppity, posh people. And this one expert, literally a couple of paintings he looks at, he's in tears talking about it. And it's one of the most beautiful things. And yeah, it made me excited about all of those areas because as much as I love music... I don't know that rap's an old man's game. <laughs> and Jay-Z and a few others might argue otherwise. I saw Big Daddy Kane like three years ago and it was the best a rap show I've ever seen. So there are exceptions, but I don't know if that's an industry that you get better and better with age, whereas I think acting or directing or writing is. And that's not to say you get better and better fame-wise or box office-wise, because that can drop off if you're not a hot young star but you get better and better artistically and that's the bit that just had me for the first time ever excited to remain on this earth for a long time which sounds bleak and horrible honestly i'm not a depressing guy what's, but yeah what's your favorite of the things you do like writing it's, like it, it changes all the time the reason i've not got a new record yet is all the ideas i'm having are little scenes and bits of dialogue and little interactions so it's writing scripts I've had a novel I've been working on literally since I was 17, I think. It's not finished yet. So that's coming on for 20 years. Um, But yeah, I I love the fact that I get to work on all these different things. And genuinely, the podcast is up there. The podcast has got stuff that I'm more proud of than anything else. The one that came out this week with Soad McHennett, talking to a woman who has sat down with leaders of ISIS and Al-Qaeda 
and the Taliban and hearing her story as a journalist just blows my mind. And even, I've touched upon it ages ago, but years, a couple of years ago, on my birthday episode, I had, I had my mum and my dad on. And I've tried to write about when my mum and my dad split up in music for years, or in spoken word or whatever else. And I've never been able to quite capture it. And I realised I was, I was working in the wrong medium. And I sat down with... I had a great chat with, with my mum, and she's hilarious. I realised the other day, and this is cute as fuck, so you're going to melt now, but I realised the other day that the sound I think I've heard more than any other sound is my mum's laugh, because um, she giggles at everything. The stupidest shit. She'll get herself locked out, and she'll be cracking up. It's, it's adorable. Um, but so, yeah, so we had a great chat. And then in part two of it, I sat down with my dad, and for the first time in our lives, we talked about the night he sat down and told us he was leaving. And it was the first time I'd seen my dad cry, which was a massive thing, because that's your dad, that's your your strong f- figure. But he was so sad and ashamed and, f- and felt it would let us down. And the point of the podcast was to show that he hadn't and they hadn't, because I think we live in a society where divorce or anything else is seen as a massive f- failure. It wasn't in this instance. They did a great job until they weren't right for each other, and then the best for everyone was for them to part ways rather than bring us up in this angry aggressive house so yeah just things like that to get to to nail that in an art form that's it feels bold calling it an art form when it's just me sitting in front of a mic chatting to people but i genuinely think it is there's 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 a lot of episodes where it's just me and my mates getting drunk or me chatting to people i think are great but there's certain ones that make me go shit that would never have happened if it wasn't in this form so yeah I love that. It's amazing. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for coming and chatting. Cheers. Nice to meet you. Can I ask you one more thing? Go ahead. What's the ratio for a scroobius? Um, It varies upon how far away the glass is from my eyes. It's just kind of just throw it in and then then it's... I was going to say it's to taste, but not once have I adjusted it. (laughs) There have been times... I've had a bit of a look on my face as I'm drinking it because it's not too pleasant, but in general, I've never adjusted it. But I don't know, I guess about, with icing, about a quarter gin and then three quarters Pepsi Max. Cool. So take that to the bank. <laughs> Thank you very much. You. Cheers. Yo, for real, we've got 12 minutes left. Oh, I told you this bit always overruns, and it's you're all nervous in the first half. I say the second half, we don't know what's gonna happen, but it always goes long. How's it going, man? What's your name, Matty? Um, Matty yeah. is that? Sorry, yeah. I've not repeated anyone's names at the end because I've, <laughs> I've either not understood them, and I just thought these guys will all understand it because they're from here. Um, but yeah. Oh, what would you like to discuss? I was just wanting to talk about music. You just before going on, uh, you were saying you know rapping or being old man's game. I, yeah, I, I, I disagree with that. Like, I mean, you were saying Jay Z, you went out to the pinnacles like AAA, yeah, really high class guys, whatever. But you know, Aesop Rock just yeah. released The Impossible Kid last year. And yeah. I think that's like one of the best rap albums I've ever listened to in my whole Honestly, life. And not cool. I've I've switched off from music a crazy amount in the last year. I'd, on on a listening front. I don't yeah. know why. It's not because there's not good music coming out. It's yeah. just it's not been where my head's at. But yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. You've got to check it out. Yeah. But, um, Ace was a beast. If I, I come back to doing music, I need to do a track with oh, Ace. unreal. It's a monster. <laughs> but go on, yeah. Yeah, well, I, so I, the last few years, I've been trying to like, write my own songs and stuff. And yeah. I feel like I, I should be. Like, I've gotten to a point where I feel happy with the, my playing that I could Which, actually write music. Yeah. But... I find it always really hard, and at the moment I'm on a, a good roll with it. Of actually, I'm actually writing stuff that I enjoy, and it's good. But I want to keep it consistent. So I know I've had writer's block in the past, and I was wondering, you know, did you ever have it before, and what you did maybe to get out of it? I think it's a myth. Yeah, I think there isn't a such thing as writer's block. I think just sometimes you want to play Xbox, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think that's writer's block. I think just sometimes you want to do other shit. Um, I, I I touched upon it with the doing the working on a novel for years and working on scripts and stuff like that. I genuinely find having an, an, another project okay. a good way. It, it it's always tough. I'm I've been self employed for ten years now, mm. so I'm bad at time off. In the last ten years, I've had two holidays because um, I can't do it. I can't switch off. My job is being me, 
Yeah. So you can't take a holiday from that. Right. If you've got a boss to take a holiday from, it's easy. If it's just my head, <laughs> that comes with me everywhere I go. I can't shake it. Yeah. I've tried um, through screwbisses. Um, but yeah, so having other projects to work on makes me feel if I've got some form of writer's block, or it could just be I'm not inspired, then I'm working on something else. So it's not that I've got writer's block and I'm sitting... But then, again, I think generally rewarding yourself with... I joked about Xbox, but whatever your treat is, is is wicked and, and key as well. When I had Danny Wallace on the podcast, he had a thing where he puts four four squares or a square divided into four on his board at the beginning of the day and each square is, let's say, 250 words of a, of a novel. And when he completes one, he puts an X in it and then he goes off and has, a, has some lunch or relaxes. And then he comes back and when he completes another one and having practical things like that as your marking and target is a good way to do it. And equally, particularly with a, a rapping, and I try to stick to this and I never have, but Slug from Atmosphere, I used to say, the brain is like any other muscle. It needs a regular exercise. Mm. So force yourself to write for even, even let's just say an hour every day. And that doesn't mean it has to be good shit. It's writing. <laughs> And then something good might come out. If you've got a particular track you're working on and you've hit a block, then write a rap about a pig and go in on it and get deep in it. And something might come out of that. It's, it's, it's working that exercise. And like that, a chair and that in a corner of like a premier inn. Or like yeah, yeah, exactly, or exactly. <laughs> go in on that, that, that creepy chair in the corner. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, one of my biggest songs is a song called Introduction. And the bulk of that was stuff I'd not got round to using in other tracks. It was little turns of phrase or little ideas. It's why it's not got a consistent narrative, which a lot of my songs have. It was little turns of phrase and bits like that that I just thought, we'll sling it all in this song. And then I wrote more and it inspired more. But I genuinely, I didn't expect that to be that popular a song because in my head, it was just raps I'd, I'd, I'd never used. And then it turns out they're some of the most popular ones I've written. So yeah, I've given you a load of advice and it's from someone who three years ago said, I'll probably write a new record and I haven't got any of it done yet. I've got some bits on my phone, but you know, we'll get there. Cool, man. Looking forward to hearing it. And, uh, years ago, um, just before I go there, my, my, my brother, my eldest brother took my, my step-nephew to one of your shows in Luxembourg and it was you and Dan Lassac. Oh, okay. I think, I think you're... I, I don't even think Logic, Logic Chance had even come out yet. Right, I think yeah, you were yeah. still doing angles. But that was a really poorly attended show, and there was maybe only like 30 people in there in this kind of maybe too big of a room. It was at least but, 200. <laughs> Continue. But to get people like up to the front of the stage, you got off of the stage when you were doing Beat Them Heart Skips, and you yeah. came up. My brother and I both wear baseball caps a lot, and he had a Boston yeah. Red Sox hat, and you were like coming through the audience, like switching people's hat with your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But after like you were taking the time to chat with everyone, my, my nephew was kind of enamored with you like he'd been talking about he's, he was only 11 at the time or 10 or 11 and uh he still kind of talks because i never got to see you live so he always kind of holds it over me amazing but Good um but uh i just want to say thanks for that because they it's say you know man. you should never meet your heroes but you and dan Lassac were fucking class then you were that's like, wicked really, man really i mean it, from way back again when, that's you know. legit well thank you very much but some some of my favorite gigs genuinely have been ones where the turnout isn't great or whatever else because we've always prided ourselves Again, on the fact that we're aware that, fuck, it's mental that anyone's turning out. Yeah. I remember when we were doing our first American tour, and we were doing... some. I changed the number every time, but it's always one less than the amount of days. It was something like 35 gigs in 36 days. And then on the day off, we did the Carson Daly show. And America's big. So there's a lot of travel in that, and it was fucked up. And I wrote... On, on that tour, I typed out a letter of resignation to send to Dan because I wasn't enjoying it and I was getting depressed because I was like, all my mates were at home and they would dream of being on tour in America, but I'm doing it and I'm hating it. But the gigs were always great. And we got to, uh, we played a place called Ames, Iowa. And I remember it clearly, partly because in the crowd was one of the most beautiful girls I've ever seen. I never spoke to her. It's just, it's in there. That looked creepier than it felt before I said it. <laughs> um, but no, the, the, the other thing was this. We got there and promoter was like, look, we've only sold, let's say, 20, 20 tickets or something. 
And me and Dan, it'd been going surprisingly well at that point. Every gig was a good few hundred. Seattle was like 800 people. And again, we didn't particularly have any following at that point. It was weird. It was all internet, all self-made in that way. But we went backstage and I said to Dan, I was like, Dan, before this tour was booked, I'd never heard of Ames, Iowa. Yet there's 20 people here who've heard of us. How fucking (laughs) mental is that? And again, it was just, it's that kind of thing that makes you go, this is wicked that we get to do this as a job. So yeah, they're always the fun gigs. And I enjoy the challenge of having to to win a crowd over or get people going. Because Dan was never a fan of playing any of our slow and depressing stuff. I love that shit. (laughs) (laughs) But it did mean that when we're doing a gig with 20 or 30 people, fucking hell, it's hard to be that guy rapping really fast on a really hyped song. So it was a case of going and interacting with the crowd and keeping them entertained and myself entertained. So, yeah. Well, thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you, man. Thank you. I think we might, this might be the last, are we going to get them two? We might get two. We'll try two. How's it going? And you, nice to meet you. Can I clarify, this isn't the person hidden in the chair looking for it's, it's, It may or may not be. We've not seen Chris since the first half. I'll take the chance. Take a seat. Uh, what's your name? Chloe-Anne. And what would you like to discuss or ask? Um, in your song, The First Time I Met Music. Yes. Well, first of all, you personified music, which I thought was strange. But Weird, right? But you also right? made it feminine. You made it a girl. Why? Yeah, and I made it black. And black. There you go, more some, questions. Some little clues and tips there. Somewhere. Go on. Yeah. So, so why, why would you choose those specifications for music? I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's weird with tracks like that, because that is a track that, because it never made into any stuff with me and Dan, which is the stuff I toured mostly, and because it was never a spoken word track, I've probably heard that song t- 20 times ever, because I wrote it and recorded it, and then I never toured it. And I'm not someone who chills at home, goes, I'm going to p- pop on one of my early records. <laughs> check out that old classic but yeah I remember at the time well number one I think again it's probably uh, an attraction thing but I'm my sexuality is attracted to women therefore I find music a very soulful and rhythmic thing and I don't often see that in guys as much as I may do in, in women so it felt personified as a woman and then the fact that most good music has been st- stolen from black people it made sense to me that it would be a, 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 or a sepia woman. So, yeah, I guess that I, I probably didn't put as much thought into it. This is probably the most thought that's ever gone into that track. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think that just made a, a sense to me. This is going to be oversharing now. But I've been in relationships in the past, and I've been asked for sexy pictures, sometimes dick pics. <laughs> Thank you very much. But... um. I've never been into it because I don't get what... I mean, particularly the penis. I don't get what... I don't... I don't it's not very pretty. Not mine specifically, <laughs> the penis in general. I don't think it's a very alluring and beautiful form and shape. I can get how a male body can be. A, a lot of people I follow on Instagram are, are male models because I, I like the human form, male or female, regardless of sexuality. Um... But yeah, I've never, I've always thought the, the, the craze of dick pics is bizarre because it's just this thing there. And it's wicked in the, in the actual, in the situation. Like it's cracking at what it's meant to do. Um, it's like Peter Beardsley. Did you ever, any football fans? Like Peter Beardsley was wicked at what he needed to do, but you don't want to look at it that much or share pictures of it. And whereas every part of the female body, I can see how you can find more beauty in it. And again, that could be a personal attraction thing, but I think that's, that would be what would draw... I'm just thinking about Peter Beardsley now. That's what would draw me towards music, this beautiful, ethereal, flowing thing as a woman rather than as a man, because I can't imagine which bit of music would make up the penis. <laughs> It'd be Prince, obviously. Fuck, I didn't think about that. Of course it would be. Damn. I need to rewrite that. I, I just want to mention that you just spoke to me about dick pics in front of my father. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Well, I mean... If it were with anyone, it probably must be, but you're his style icon, so I'm sure... That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Has he got a smartphone? He does have a smartphone and a beard. Hey, he sent a dick pic. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, don't, I hate to break this to you, but... Anyway, thank you for coming along. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. We'll, we'll get this, this one last guy on, and then we'll, I'll go and sign some stuff and chat to everyone. Hi, man. How's it going, man? Hi, nice to meet you. And you. Oh, careful. Oh, do you want a good special awareness? Uh, uh, what is your name, and what would you um, like to discuss? Go on. I'm Kyle. Kyle. And, right. I have been basically freelance writing since 2013. Sort of masters in journalism. Wicked. I had a huge portfolio. That, that deserves more of a, a round of applause <laughs> because I don't know. I'll tell you why. Because in the world that we live in now, with bloggers and social media taking the lead on a lot of 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 of, of journalism as such, there's not that many people who are fucking t- putting the time in to learn journalism and learn that there's rules and standards and shit like that. They're just spouting shit. So yeah. Yes, good work on actually studying it rather than go, oh, I've got a blog, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, well, like, all that stuff, but every time I sit down to, like, actually write something, I just go, what are words? And it's yeah. imposter syndrome. And just, like, Mate. you've, obviously, you throw your hat in pay basically every ring. Do you ever suffer imposter syndrome? Constantly. I get imposter syndrome if I go to, to, to West London because it's posher than me. <laughs> Let alone all the industries I'm in and doing things like that. It's, it's constant, but that's... Again, it's a beautiful thing, because the more you do it, the more you realise... Uh, uh, genuinely, I've had five albums now, and every time I finish an album... And this, this might be the time it was, but every time I finish an album, I thought, fuck, fluked another one. <laughs> let's, let's call it a day before anyone finds out I don't know what I'm doing up here. But that's kind of a good thing, I think. I think if you if you believe you have a right to be there, you're going to be on the verge of not like, checking yourself. It's like the Dunning-Kruger thing. Or yeah, what's the, the more, more uh, Dunning-Kruger effect is um, uh, the more you know about something, the less you feel you know. But someone yeah. who's a complete amateur might think, I know nothing about this. Yeah, know? yeah, completely. Yeah. C- c- completely, I think it's great. And it, it makes you look deeper into it and check yourself more rather than assume. When I've gigged in Europe, I've had some of the most interesting conversations uh, with fans... Because because English isn't their first language, they've sat down and st- studied the lyrics on paper. Whereas when English is your first language, although a lot of it is fast, there's a lot you'll just assume or ignore or not pay attention to. Because I know that, do you know what I mean? Whereas because it isn't their first, they're breaking down every line and every 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 metaphor and every comparison because of exactly that. They've not got that confidence of well. Basically, get the gist. I get the idea of it. What you're saying there about uh, like an analytical approach to language, yeah. which brings me another question. Uh, I know you uh, suffer from a stammer. Yes, uh, I suffer from. I've dyslexia and dyspraxia, and one of the symptoms that's let logical. Right, just forget words. There's four right, or yeah, not yeah. There. So, like the words I want to use aren't always available. And I assume, like uh, yeah. yourself, do you feel that's kind of contributed to your outlook? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It's it's it's. I've I've said before. A mate of mine is looking at doing a documentary on on different people who've had this and a friend of a friend was talking to a soldier a while back who lost his legs in combat and it was terrible but he's since then he's done all sorts of climb climb mountains and he was in this room with people like tom hardy and all this kind of thing and they were saying oh, i must be tough he's like well no to be honest if i hadn't i lost my legs i would be another ignored veteran because there wouldn't be a visible effect I would be ignored. I would be another guy who's struggling to readjust to society and this kind of thing, but looked over because there's not an obvious thing when you first look. But because of this, I've been motivated to do all these other things. I'm sitting here with film stars and models, you know, and it's this amazing thing. He felt that pushing forward. It's, it's similar that I wouldn't be doing anything I am today without my stutter, I don't think, because similar there to what you were saying, as a teen, I'd be thinking ahead on words I was going to stutter on and replacing them with other words. And that broadened my vocabulary. Now, the negative effect is everyone thinks I'm far more well-read than I am. Because I've got a decent vocabulary and I've written these songs that have these big words in, they're all like, oh, you must read... I was average at school. I've been tried to improve that since I've left school. But, yeah, I genuinely think that's what broadened my vocabulary. At school... I was telling this to a friend the other day. Um, actually, I was telling it to a friend at Tom Hardy's 40th birthday party, but <laughs> no big deal. We've already discussed that. Um, I, I, at school, in English, our teacher told my mate Martin Birmingham that he shouldn't hang around with me and Mark Irvine because he can do better than that because he's a good kid. 
<laughs> and we're naughty. Um, a few years back, I played, I headlined a festival that was within earshot of my old school. And we did two, two festivals in one day. And the reason we did that was like, I need to play that festival. And on stage, I just had to let a Mrs. Taylor know that I had two books published and one of them was a Times bestseller. So Martin Birmingham can't do better than me. Um, but again, it's, that's exactly it. I wasn't a good student, but it was the stutter, I think, that, that, that broadened my vocabulary and allowed me to... Yeah, so the coping effect really changes how you look into them. Gives you yeah, man. Survival mechanism. I, my, my vocabulary grew so that I wouldn't get, get bullied as much. I would still get bullied because, again, I've said before, but the first thing you do in a new class is they call the register. And everyone's nervous and scared and looking for someone to take the attention away. And if you can't say here or whatever you have to say, <laughs> then it's like, there's the one we're going we're gonna to pick on. It's, it's, it's an easy thing. So, yeah, broadening that, that vocabulary helped a lot. Yeah, yeah. Other than the word that, which I just struggled <laughs> with hugely. That happens. That's <laughs> the man. So... Yeah, that's me. Well, thank you very much. I think we're going to call it a night there. Thank you all for coming along. It's genuinely always a scary thing how these are going to go, but they were amazing conversations. Anyone who wants a book signed, I'll be in the lobby or outside and lingering about. If you didn't get to ask a question and want to ask something briefly, we'll do it off, off record. Thank you all for coming along. This has been the Distraction Peace Podcast Live. Come along tomorrow night to the Grand Social for dr- Hardcore Listing Drunk Cast. Cheers, guys. You've been listening to Squibbish Pits Discretion Pieces. I mean, how good were they? Was that audience? Those questions and and topics and conversations were absolutely mind blowing to me. So, yeah, I couldn't be happier with that. Spread the word on this if you if if you want to or don't. Uh, I didn't really hard sell that, did I? Never mind. Um, I'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning in, guys. Check out everything else on the Distraction Pieces Network Hardcore Listing if you want to hear the drunk cast that we did the night after this. That's the Hardcore Listing podcast with Chris and Stu. Tuesday Night Jaw, I've been on there a load of times. There's been some great ones recently. Jim Smallman did one a while back that his his top 10, I think it was emotional or uplifting moments in wrestling. And if you're a wrestling fan or not, it was a beautiful podcast. Uh, the Stop and Search podcast is doing some amazing intelligent things as is obviously say why drugs remains there as a a resource and we will be doing more at some point so check them all out and i'll uh i'll catch you next week ta-ta